Live on a Thursday from Santa Monica, California, it's the Call Your Landry Show. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thanks for making me a part of your day. Mover Nation, welcome to Thursday Thoughts. And I got a lot of things running through my head. And um, welcome again. Here we are. Man, um, I was, there's just, there's so much that's going on that has gone on in this last couple of weeks. And in about, uh, I was up very late. In fact, I really didn't sleep last night, but I was up very, very late working on on projects and, and ideas and things of that nature that I like to do. And I have been thinking about sort of the sort of craziness that's been going on in the world lately. And I've had a lot of personal things, which I'll get into in a second. A lot of things going on in my orbit. But um, I, uh, I, I think I found what is at fault for all of this. Because two weeks ago, we had an eclipse outside <laughs> and it was here and everything has been chaos ever since. Now, I am not into astrology, but for those of you that are in the audience that are, I want to hear your thoughts on that. If you don't know who I am, I'm Collier Landry. Let's get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial. In- when I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. I decided at an early age that our trauma should not be what defines us. It's what we choose to do with it that does. I'm here to share my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, society, and popular culture, albeit with a slight sense of humor. I'm Collier Landry, and welcome to my show. Albeit with a slight sense of humor, because that's what we need nowadays. Um, So yes, Mover Nation, I want to weigh in on this subject, the eclipse. Everything's been wacky since, everything. Business, relationships, friendships, everything has been just in a slightly tilted, slightly skewed perspective. Um, I don't know. I can't figure it out. And that, that's the conclusion that I came to after just like not getting much sleep at all. I thought there, there's a reason for all of this. This is it. It's the stupid eclipse. And I had to go out there and I had to photograph it. I had to make a little video. I brought you guys live on it just so you could see it because I live in Southern California and I know a lot of people don't get to see it. And I like to put it out there and send the photos to like my nephews because it's really fun. And I was into the solar system when I was a kid. I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a child. Um, didn't last long into adulthood, but you know, uh, once you get in the centrifuge thing that spins you around, it's not so fun. G-forces, eh, not, not a good thing. And if you're terrified of flying, which I'm not as much anymore, but uh, it's not a good profession. But anyways, I'd like to know your thoughts on the eclipse. There has been just, uh, so. oh, Marie Hathaway. Thank you so much. Yes, I've been saying it was the eclipse myself. I'm telling you, it is. it has been something. It has been been something yes blame the sun call your why not yes I, you know the it's just things have shifted i don't know i can't explain it but those are things that are greater than i am and that we all are and you know it's probably like i'm i say i was telling you guys i was watching this our planet show on netflix i've watched now another episode giant caterpillars things of that nature the ocean crazy like craziness but very fascinating and i'm into nature and and uh, all of that and dinosaurs and it's it's very fascinating but um yeah so so speaking of strange so um i have uh some business associates of mine i have a friend he's a very famous photographer and uh his his manager slash um yeah his manager and, and slash assistant or whatever 
and uh, we were supposed to do some shoots coming up. And um, they called me and they said, hey, we saw that somebody put you on the schedule for our dental videos uh, where you can. Um, we have you signed up to get uh, free teeth whitening if you'll be one of the models. I was like, yeah, I think I remember signing up for that. But we got into the whole thing. I said, look, I said, I would really like, I really need my teeth clean too. So I want the dentist and, and this dentist we've, we've shot some stuff for over the last like year randomly. And, um, one of the, one of the things that, that their vision for their, for her social media and for her practice was to, uh, to make her like a Dr. Pimple Popper, but of the of the sort of, of the tick of the dental variety, right? Which I don't know, like would, I know Dr. Pimple Popper is extremely popular because when I heard about her in 2017, I thought it was ridiculous. And then she has a show on television. And I think there's like in the fourth or fifth season, it's, it's insane. So I thought to myself, okay, uh, that's interesting. And, I, and then a, a story pops up in my email today uh, in New York Magazine. And I remember hearing about this and this happened a couple months ago, but they, you know, they did a story about this, an editorial or, a, or sorry, a piece that they had run. And it is about, and speaking, you know, I'm always, I'm from Ohio. I always talk about Ohioans, but to speak about, to speak about Ohioans gone wrong. Have you guys heard of this woman who is TikTok famous? So she's from Ohio. She's TikTok, Instagram, uh, social media famous. Uh, over 1 million followers and her name is Dr. Roxy. Now, have you guys heard of this woman? Because I had just heard a smidge, but I didn't, I didn't quite understand what had really transpired. And apparently, <laughs> and, and this kind of goes hand in hand with my story because they want to film me and they're just going to do it on an iPhone, right? But they're getting the dental procedure. They'll use it for social media, right? This woman, this Dr. Roxy, uh, so between uh, 2020, which we were all in a state of chaos, and 2022, well, I guess we were pretty much in a state of chaos that entire time. The whole world was off its rocker, and everybody was obsessed with TikTok, right? I mean, they still are, but everybody's really obsessed with TikTok. Um, I, uh, this woman, Dr. Roxy, would say to her patients, hey, look, um, uh, I know we're going to do this cosmetic procedure on you. Um but I, I like to film it for my social media, which a lot of people, because of this Dr. P Pimple Popper phenomenon, right? They agreed. He was like, oh, okay, it makes sense to me. So apparently everyone had thought that, you know, you just set the phone up and whatever, and then you just say, hey, hey guys, how are you? And then just you go about your business, right? Apparently this woman, this Dr. Roxy, and this is so terrible for the victims, right? This Dr. Roxy was engaging with her social media fans while she's performing these surgeries. Now it does not take a, uh, a college graduate or an Ivy legally educated person to come to the conclusion that that's probably not a very good idea. And that if you're performing an operation on someone, whether it's cosmetic or, or otherwise, and very basic outpatient surgery, you shouldn't be engaging with fans on a screen. I mean, look, I'm trying to, I'm talking to you guys here, but the comments are right here. I'm, I'm, I'm interacting with you guys. This is, this is, this is about our, this is our time, right? But she's interacting and she's doing the surgery, but she's taught, oh yeah, liking and hearting comments, which by the way is a pain in the ass. I do a, a, an Instagram live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm always like looking at the screen and the font's kind of small. So I'm looking at it like this and I have to like, somebody comes in, I want to wave to them. Oh, I comment. Oh, I want to comment back or I want to read their comment. 
it's a lot to engage in. And I can guarantee you that if that's what you're doing with your time, you are not paying attention to the patient that is laid out before you. So this woman, of course, appropriately uh, lost her medical license. The Ohio State Board of Medicine took away her medical license uh, recently, but it took a while. But uh, these these people, um, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. And when plastic surgeon Dr. Roxy rose to TikTok frame, her OR seemed busier than ever until a record of botched surgeries caught up to her. And that's what this is, uh, that's what this article in New York, in, in New York Magazine was about. Absolutely fascinating to me. Um, oh, why? Why are you doing that to me, Google? That's not very fun. Um, so, yeah. And it gets me to think about social media and everyone wanting to be a star. And I often, as I get into my, you know, middle age, it pains me to say that. As I approach that, I, I started to think about like what, you know, it was like to work as a kid and sort of work ethics and how, you know, there is a whole legion of people that are even in white collar jobs that may be quiet quitters, you know, and if you guys are familiar with the phenomenon of quiet quitting or not, but it's basically like doing as little as possible so you you get fired to get your severance and maybe I'm wrong but this I mean I think that I have it pretty right that they'll fire you and then that's how you get out and then you get your severance and then you can get another job or you can collect unemployment or what have you right and I and I understand that part of that is our young people and I think people in general and I would blame a lot of this on the pandemic people took a hard look at their life being cooped up inside and probably cooped up with people they didn't necessarily like or love uh, that much sometimes or realize that they didn't like or love them as much as they thought they couldn't have any reprieve uh, from being together because of the pandemic. And I think a lot of people took hard looks at their life and like, is this really what I want to be doing? Do I really want to go back to an office and do a daily desk job and go back to that hun you know, humdrum? My neighbor, uh, both my neighbors work in advertising. Well, actually one works in marketing, one works in advertising. To me, they're one and the same. But he was kvetching to me one day. He said, you know, he's like, they're going to make me go back to the office with this new job. I have to go back three days a week. I'm like, it's 2023, man. Like, you haven't been back to the office? And he's like, no, I've been working out of the house. <laughs> Which I find pretty, pretty crazy. Um, that they didn't require him to go to an office. And I am not someone who has ever had an office job. And I respect to everyone that, that does that and goes to work. And it's a, you know, it's a thing, right? But I think about this, this obsession with social media, everyone wanting to be a star, everyone wanting to be the next TikTok person or creator and how, and I, and I do think in all fairness, again, our young people were probably taking a hard look at this and going, okay, well, I just put myself into debt to go to college, to get this degree, which may or may not be worth something. And, you know, it's good to go to college and, and get a formal education, but there might be some, there might be some issues. So they're looking at this and they're saying there's got to be a better way. And do I really want to spend the next 35 years of my life sitting behind a desk doing a job that I really don't like, even though it gives me money and security and job security. And look, I am someone sitting here right before you that uh, I have um, to my own detriment, never been, um, never been someone who's concerned with job security. I've worked in the entertainment and the creative arts my entire life. 
And uh, there's never there's never a security with that. And it's an edge, you know, it's a thing. And you're, you know, I'm doing something new with the podcast and the show. And so it's always evolving and moving, lots of moving parts and pieces. But uh, it's, it, it, I, I think that a lot of people are just going, you know, yeah, what are we doing with our lives? And then you have somebody that's doing something that is affecting the lives of other, others because they want to be, they want to be a star. I don't know. Gets me thinking about a lot of things and, um, and my experiences these last week. And, you know, I went on a hiatus for a few days uh, last week, no new episodes of the podcast, no whatever, uh, no lives here on YouTube, uh, just pretty much completely dark on social media and everything just because I was going through something. I had to work my way through that. Hopefully it's done, but you never know. But uh, I also started thinking like, what is the direction that I want to have for my life? Here I have a lot of people, and I know a lot of you guys don't know what happened, and I'm not going to get into it, but uh, you know, there was a lot of people that were after, and there's a lot of things going on. And um, I'm trying to be very cautious uh, in how I word this. But I, um, I, I got to thinking, like, what if I just started just saying exactly what's on my mind? Because I do a lot of times on this show... Uh, I censor things. I've tried to take out my profanity. I used to be, you know, I'm, I, I, I've cussed like a sailor. So I try to tone that down a little bit for some of you guys in my audience. And I thought, okay, I'm toning that down. I definitely am not ready to talk about politics or anything like that. I'm not going to go that far. But I, um, I definitely feel comfortable enough having gone through, I don't know, was it a mild cancellation? I have no idea. But having gone through what I just went through, I feel finally that I have the confidence enough to say something that I wanted to say for a really long time. And it's top of mind because this song came out today. You guys aware of this? This is the new Beatles song that just came out. It was, it's a remastered song. It's a song that no one's ever heard before. All right. And it's got uh, John Lennon on it. And it's the last recording of John Lennon alive. And they remastered this and they used the same technology that, that, um, that Peter Jackson used in the Beatles docuseries that he did for Apple. So this, this whole re- artificial intelligence is making everything just insane. The things that you can do creatively now is just, is just crazy. But I feel confident enough and secure enough because I'm just like, I don't care anymore to say something. I listened to that song and I have previously listened to the new Rolling Stones record and I'm finally ready to make a choice. Stones all the way. Stones all the way. If this is the last album that the Rolling Stones have put out, Hackney Diamonds, and then this is the last Beatles song, they have won. And I don't know if you guys have seen Mick Jagger out performing with Lady Gaga and performing this, this song, I can't remember. But it's, uh, it's a taste of heaven or something, you know, sounds like I can't remember what the song is. I'll Google it in a second. This guy is 80 years old running out on stage like a teenager and singing like a real rock star. I'm sorry, guys. I got to call it. I'm a Stones guy. I love the Beatles. I love Paul McCartney. I love their work. But if I got to choose one, if you're putting, if you're like, hey, man, you got to walk the plank. You have to make a choice. Stones, I, 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 you know, and it was, and the choice was never clearer until this morning when I just saw that. And I thought, 
I'm listening to the song and to be honest, I didn't listen to my, my nice headphones. I listened to it through the, but this, this iPhone has great sound. I can hear the, I, I went to music school. I can hear enough of music to know if, it's, if I, if I really dig it or not, but I've been listening to this Rolling Stones record. It is fire. It is fire. So yeah, I think if I'm going to make a choice and I understand the Beatles, masters of songwriting, masters of the craft, Beatles in Hamburg, 10,000 hours, the whole thing. Absolutely. But I, I, I have officially made my choice and I'm going to come out publicly with it. Rolling Stones. I'm a Stones guy. I'm a Stones guy. I'm a Stones guy. And I've listened to every Beatles song and I love the Beatles, but uh, I, I think I'm, I think if that is the last records that we have of both groups, I got to go Stones. Anyways, I'm being cheeky. It's a fun day. It's Thursday thoughts. I'm allowed to say what I think, right? I mean, it's for the most part. Um, but uh, anyways, I see, uh, I see super stickers coming in. Thank you so much, Karen Isabel Stewart. Thank you so much for the super sticker. Really appreciate it. And now, now it's everybody banning against me here because I said uh, uh, that I said that I gave my opinion on the Rolling Stones and it was Stones versus Beatles. That last song now and then is, is, isn't really the, it's not really the Beatles, but yes, but if we are to have a record in the annals of history, in recorded history, long after all of us are taking the dirt nap, if that's the last Beatles song that is played on earth and then you compare it to this Rolling Stones record, like just listen to Angry, the first track of the album, Angry. It's my favorite song. But, and it's just like classic Stones doing their classic Stones shit. It's fabulous. Anyways, um, my dear friend John Morrissey would love me for taking this stance. He loves the Rolling Stones. Let's see what the comments are coming in. I'm sure everybody, everybody I'm sure I, I'm not, I wasn't trying to bifurcate anyone. I wasn't trying to like divide us. We are, a, we are a cohesive unit here on the Collier Landry Show. You guys, my audience. But I had, I felt confident enough to give that that opinion that I've been holding on to for a really long time. And it just came clear as day today. Uh, <laughs> uh, what big words there, uh, big words there before, but for longevity, yeah, stones are beyond amazing, but I haven't been able to choose either stones or Beatles. Might I might say Aerosmith just to say neutral. I don't think that's a fair comparison. Um, I don't think, uh, I don't think, thank you so much, uh, Marie Hathaway for a, um, for a, uh, super sticker. Thank you so much. Uh, any relation to Donny Hathaway? Um, amazing musician. <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, the White Album. Yeah, the White Album. Absolute classic. And at one time, I had the original vinyl case, not the record inside, but the case with the with them with all the meat hooks, which is with the meat, the raw meat. Somebody stole it years ago. I had it in my studio. It was amazing. And uh, somebody robbed me of a lot of things. And then Stole that too. It's a massive bummer. Like what a piece of like amazing uh, rock and roll history to own, but it was uh, no more. No more. I don't know if I agree with the, with the Aerosmith analogy. We'll figure out something though. But yeah, the Rolling Stones, I'm telling you, this new record, absolutely fabulously fantastic. And I would play it here on YouTube, but I would get a copyright strike. And we've all seen how that works. Does not work in our favor. Did you guys know in the news as well, making headlines. Not only do we have this botched, this, this Dr. Roxy, right? Who, uh, who's been disbarred for her, um, for her, uh, uh, obsession, uh, with social media. Now she's also made all those videos private and stuff. And it's so odd because there are a lot of, there are a lot of rules that 
exist around creating content online, whether it be on, you know, like Instagram or Facebook or when you're doing live things, especially like TikTok. TikTok has a lot of rules. So I'm actually really surprised that you, that she was even able to do that and that nobody caught it or nobody reported it. Like this doesn't seem too ethical or like the state medical board might not approve of what she's doing. Um, I guess nobody caught it. It's so weird because I've been busted for TikTok videos and and had to, you know, f appeal the decision and because it, it was wrong. And, uh, you know, and YouTube, you know, for a long time, you couldn't say anything about COVID or, or mention the pandemic because it might be considered misinformation. Um, so it was a lot of things you got to watch out. So I'm so shocked that she was able to get away with this for a period of like two or three years. It's unbelievable. Um, another, another celebrity making headlines and, and uh, having a health scare though is Brooke Shields apparently suffered a seizure from drinking too much water. And I am an avid drinker of water. This is a like an alkaline bottle. It's made by Dylan. They should send me these for free. Put a little alkaline diffuser in it. So I drink this like nine pH water every day. Uh, and I read this and it says what you need to know about the condition of water toxicity, which is apparently a, a potentially a fatal condition. So it says Brooke Shields overhydrated herself into a full blown uh, grand mal seizure in September before the opening of her one woman show in New York City. The renowned actress told Glamour magazine this week, 58 year old suddenly Susan Starr was drinking so much water and didn't realize her that her sodium levels were low. She told editor in chief Samantha Barry in an article published on Wednesday, I was waiting for an Uber. I get down, I, I get down to the bottom of the steps and I start uh, evidently looking weird. And the people that I was with were like, are you okay? She insisted she was fine, but soon found herself wandering outside for no reason at all before heading into a restaurant. At that point, everything went black. She said, my hands dropped to my side and I go to bed head for, I go, go to bed. I go head first into the wall. She recounted, adding that she was quote, frothing at the mouth, totally blue, trying to swallow her tongue. And she says, the next thing she remembers, she was being loaded into an ambulance wearing oxygen um, with Bradley effing Cooper sitting next to her holding her hand. Uh, her husband, Chris Henchy, couldn't be reached, but Cooper happened to be nearby and, and accompanied her to the hospital. Well, what a great guy, Bradley Cooper. Amen. Also a Philadelphian. I was born in Philadelphia, for those of you that don't know or might know, I don't know. Um, so he's a fellow Philadelphian and uh, a guy with great eyes too. He's got some good eyes on him. Uh, yeah, so Bradley Cooper helped her, helped her through it. But interesting about those electrolytes, it was something I was just thinking about yesterday and I buy these little Electrolyte packs, or I usually put salt in my water uh, because I drink a lot of water and you got to keep your sodium levels together. I have a friend that has um, defib or AFib. It's this, it's this sort of condition where your valves get a little wacky and they run the wrong way and it can cause a lot of like life-threatening issues. It has to do with like electric impulses in your heart. And um, I was telling her, I was like, you got to start buying electrolytes. You got to start drinking electrolytes. And she doesn't drink enough water. Whatever. People in their lifestyles. Can't, can't control the world, can you? Uh, I think we have all, uh, <laughs> we are all aware of how that goes. Uh, speaking of apologies this week, Schitt's Creek actor, and she played Stevie on the show. Um, Emily Hampshire had a Halloween costume that she had to apologize for. She went out for Halloween. How dare she? Dressed as Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And a lot of people took issue to the fact that 
this was promoting perhaps domestic abuse or domestic violence. And so she had to apologize. I thought she was apologizing because the costume was so 2022 and this is 2023. That deserved the apology. But alas, she committed a faux pas in public. How dare she? A lot of sensitive souls these days. Um, by the way, I think I talked about Schitt's Creek yesterday. So that's why this popped up in my search, I guess, because the computer's always listening. But um, yeah, I thought it was very, very, very interesting. Like people are very, it's, it's, a, it's a costume, guys. And she, I don't think she nefariously planned it. And, and I think there's a lot. So anyways, your kiddo cancels you all the time. Uh, coffee buzz. And Black Widow says, I, I am the gun power says, I guess I'm in love with, uh, with Bradley Cooper too. Oh, well, you know, he's supposedly a very nice guy. Supposedly a very nice guy, a very talented actor. Sending love and light to Brooke. Yeah, Brooke Shields. I have not watched her documentary. Keith is my man, ninth, uh, um, nine guitar. Yeah, I have a te Telecaster behind me. I, yeah, I'm a Keith Richards fan. And I, um, yeah, he's, he's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Uh, for, so I know a lot of you come from, um, a lot of you come from uh, the uh, Surviving the Survivor channel. And I was speaking to Joel this morning, Joel Walter texting him, but he's in Tallahassee covering, um, um, uh, what, what's his name? Dan Adelson. So Dan Markell friend of the, uh, um, his mother, Ruth has been on the show. Um, wonderful woman. I saw her in the front row of the trial, but, um, um, Mr. Adelson, <laughs> I cannot remember his first name. I don't know why it's escaping me, but Dan Markell was murdered in 2014. And this has been an ongoing investigation. He, um, the family of his soon to be ex-wife was uh, a very wealthy dentist based in, in I believe, uh, South Beach or Fort Lauderdale area, someplace South Florida. And um, they have finally, uh, this guy, oh, Charlie Adelson. Thank you, Charlie Adelson. I remember that. Nobody told me. Oh yeah, so Susie Rock said it. Charlie, okay, good. I remembered it first. I didn't see it. Um, I, am gun I am the gun power. Thank you so much for being a member for four months. I got to make some new little uh, stickers for you guys too. I got to do that. Um, yeah, so Charlie Adelson was was testifying in this trial. So all of the people, if, and some of you know, but might not know. So this this law professor, Dan Markell, was murdered in 2014 in his driveway. Two kids, wife, in this weird divorce sort of situation. And, it's, and they're calling it the hitman trial. Because basically what happened, is, what came out is, oh, it was a mysterious, mysterious homicide in someone's driveway. But really is that the family, the Adelson family, which is the family of his, was going to be his ex-wife. They have plotted this murder for hire thing by hiring one of their, their dental assistant or, or, or secretary of their dental practice who knew two gentlemen who were involved in gang and gang activity and gangs in Southern Florida and, and, and in Miami area to drive all the way up to Tallahassee and commit this homicide. And of course, what did they do? I think they, I think they nickel and dime them on some money. And then they went out and with the money they had, blew it, caused a bunch of attention. Of course, there's, they rented a car, a Prius, I believe. Of course, they, this whole, it's just got mess written all over it. So of course, 
they they get caught and of course they all roll on each other and then they've rolled on the allison so there's four people that are giving on trial and maybe even five uh because i think the wife or the sisters it's the whole family is involved in this this thing that's the theory but the um the the gangbanger rolls on the other gangbanger who rolls on the girl and then the girl rolls on this guy who's now apparently defending his actions but they got three out of four of them. And I think it's going to be just a dominoes. So um, I really, all that to say this, I've interviewed Ruth Markell and the family and they have been through hell. She has been fighting for justice for her son for coming on 10 years now, fighting for, for to be able to see her grandchildren. She passed laws in the state of Florida. Uh, the, I believe it's called the grandparents law. Don't quote me on that. She passed laws on this to be able to see her grandchildren, um, which are the last remaining connection to her, her son. And I hope that they get the peace and closure that they need. Cause I hope if this man is guilty, that he goes to prison right where he belongs. And he's like a fool up there testifying on his behalf. My father did the same thing. We all see how that worked out. <clears throat> yes. And Joel and uh, Joel and Carm over at surviving this forever have been covering it and they're live streaming from there. He's in Tallahassee till well, I guess whenever it ends, like this has been going on for six days or something. Maybe more, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's, uh, he's there. Hey, Jen DeSemio, thank you so much for being a, a channel member for five months. I really appreciate it. The Stones are the background music of my life. I would agree. There's just some really great songs. I remember the first time I heard Beast of Burden. I'm not going to share that experience. It is not a, not a, that is not rated for YouTube experience, but I do remember that like it was yesterday um what are we saying congratulations for oh congratulations on five months is that what we're saying or fey far congratulations fey far uh, fey far fey far can you all keep a secret i find out that i'm going to be a nana next year she, she's still early my daughter is 20 and we are still digesting the news that is amazing congratulations fey far congratulations to you um you are going to be a grandmother that's amazing that's fabulous it's wonderful that's wonderful. My, my adopted parents, my parents, uh, have now a fourth grandchild that just arrived a couple of weeks ago. I told you guys about that at the time. Uh, my choice, uh, Coffee Buzz says, my choice today running errands was Pantera. I, I don't know about Pantera. I don't know if I can get into that. I, I listened to mostly like hip hop and rap when I was growing up and I would have to hide the tapes from my parents. I, Public Enemy was like the anthem of my childhood. And, you know, at that time, I, I can remember the first, like I got a, I got a, I got, I got a tape. It was right after my mother was murdered and I was in, um, I was in the sixth, sixth grade. And there was a, a, a guy that I went to school with and his name was Anil Shearsat. Um, he was an Indian uh, guy. His father was a doctor. And he, I bought off of him or I traded him like probably baseball. You know what you do? You trade all this stuff when you're a kid. I want that. But he had, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back by public enemy. And it was like their first major record. And I listened to that on my Walkman, And I was like, man, because, you know, and a lot of people, you know, talk about the music of their youth. Right. And, and obviously there's, you know, anthem songs, and there's protest songs. A lot of people are into protest songs in the sixties and, you know, Bob Dylan and the Beatles and the Stones and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, Crosby, Stills and Nash, all of them. Everybody was doing protest songs, right? Vietnam War. And, um, but for me, it was, it is, I wanted something 
and and hearing these artists, these hip hop artists who who were coming from poor communities, people of color, trying to make it, sharing what their experiences were growing up in in underserved communities in the hood, and sharing their experiences. Man, I really resonated with that. Not because I can resonate with the the color of their skin or that plight, but the anger of not feeling heard, the anger of of feeling like injustice is going all around you. Because that's what I felt like as a child. And so I would listen to I listened to Public Enemy, N.W.A., Dr. Dre, but you name it. I was into rap and hip hop. I don't know why I'm sharing all this. I'm oversharing today. But uh, I, can, I could just relate to them. And I could just relate to that anger of not being heard, not being, feeling hopeless or feeling like you know, there's no way out, you know, because I did spend a year of my life in foster care in a very desolate situation. And um, yeah, I, uh, I re- that music really re- resonated with me. I wished I had gotten into more. I mean, I, I remember getting a copy of Pearl Jam. I never got into Nirvana. I never got into Smashing Pumpkins. I, I wasn't into that music. I wish now, I love that music. I think it's just so much. I'm like, why didn't I listen to that music growing up? But I was really into hip hop and boys to men eventually too, because I would sing in the choir and I would sing. In the still of the night, I held you, held you tight. That's terrible. But uh, you get the point. Call your take the uh, take the telecaster off the wall and play for us. Not now. That will be another time. But we're working on it. Um, but cat loves cat skills. Thank you so much for the super sticker. I really appreciate it. If I didn't say that, uh, Court McNeil says I had a very religious upbringing. I was only allowed to listen to P. Salty, the singing book, until I was eleven or twelve. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Yeah, Janis Joplin, Buffalo Springfield. Um, I worked with one of the members of Buffalo Springfield a couple of years ago. They were, or I, or maybe it was Buffalo. It was Buffalo Springfield. What am I saying? We shot them at the Troubadour. No, it wasn't Buffalo. It was a member of Buffalo Springfield and he had another band. What was his name? He was like the guitarist. Oh man. My memory is failing me today. Yeah. Buffalo Springfield. Grateful Dead. Yep. Yep. Casey Jones. I remember my mother's best friend, uh, my aunt Shelly, who was in a murder in Mansfield. She introduced me to the Grateful Dead. I wasn't a huge deadhead, but I remember uh, driving that train high on a substance we can't say on YouTube. Casey Jones, won't you watch your speed? Trouble ahead, trouble behind. And you know that notion just crossed my mind. Yeah, Casey Jones was the first, uh, um, was the first Grateful Dead song I ever heard. Uh, yeah, and I've and I've grown up to really appreciate Nirvana as I got older. I remember that when I bought three records when I moved to California, CDs. I bought U two, um, uh, Beautiful Day. I think that's the I think that's the album. Maybe it's one, but U, uh, Beautiful Day, um, John Mayer, <laughs> and I bought um, the Foo Fighters, which was the album that they had recorded in uh, Dave Grohl's um, uh, basement, which was like unheard of at that time. And now people are recording records wherever. Um, Billy Eilish recorded <laughs> multiple platinum records in her bedroom. You know, it's, nowadays it's totally different. But that time it was like a really big deal. And then I can remember a few years later discovering that Dave Grohl <laughs> was the drummer for Nirvana. And it blew my mind. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. How did I not know that? But like I said, I wasn't really into Nirvana. Nirvana. 
Yeah, my mother was into Michael Jackson. I remember watching Michael Jackson. Uh, I remember watching Thriller and being scared. And then I grew up and I, I learned about Michael Jackson. And I was even more terrified. So it's unfortunate, but um, yeah. I listened to uh, what? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I'm the gun power. I forget that's out there. What's up uh, on the outskirts? How are you? Not being heard is one of your my major triggers. I hear you. Yeah, and I think when you feel like you don't have any power and and you're trying to fight against the system, whatever that system is, right? You know, for me, it, it was this this anger of of my mother being taken away and my father committing that and not being able to do anything about that and feeling helpless and and voiceless even though i obviously did a lot of things to you know get justice for my mother i was still angry that everything had happened to me and i was in foster care with people that were not very nice to me and my relatives abandoning me and so all these things so that's why i gravitated towards hip-hop and rap and it had a great beat too but um Muse, yes, Muse, Absol absolutely. Um, uh, like you are invisible, yes, absolutely, Black Widow. Metallica and Nirvana. I never, I never got into Metallica either. My younger brother Levi was a big Metallica fan, but I can totally appreciate. Uh, I can totally appreciate Metallica and and their talent. Um, absolutely incredible, and I mean, what what a crazy career those guys have had. Um. Who is this? Chris Cor Oh my God, Chris Cornell. Oh. Yeah, I cried when Chris Cornell passed away. I cried about that. That was a tough day. There's an amazing song by Chris Cornell. It is on the um <clears throat> it is on the Great Expectations soundtrack. The Great Expectations soundtrack, which was the obviously the, the adaptation of the Dickens novel. And it starred Gwyneth Paltrow uh, and Ethan Hawke playing Pip. And um, and who, who played the mother? Um, what's her name in the book? It'll, it'll come to me. Hank Azaria's in it too. Uh, it's a fabulous film. It's so well done. It's well shot. It's well acted. I loved it. But he sings a song on the album because I went and bought it called Sun Shower. Do yourself a favor. Check out Chris Cornell, Sun Shower. Fabulous. Fabulous. Uh, Black Widow, you met Bono. That's uh, Bono. 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 That's super cool. He looks like a, a very interesting guy. And Eric Clapton. Yeah, Eric Clapton. Uh, I, made a, I made a Derek and the Dominoes reference the other day. Also, Can't Find My Way Home, uh, you know, by um, Blind Faith, uh, which he was in that project with Steve Winwood. I went to see them. About 13 years ago at the Hollywood Bowl, they played it with Steve Winwood and Eric Clapton. We bought seats at the last minute. They were $300. My friend bought them. I couldn't afford them. Bought us all tickets. And um, they, they were the last row of the Hollywood Bowl. And for those of you that don't know the Hollywood Bowl, the Hollywood Bowl is, first of all, an outdoor concert venue in LA, in Hollywood, specifically in the Hollywood Hills. And it is absolutely amazing. It is absolutely an experience. If you ever get a chance to go, Take it up. No, but it doesn't matter what you see there. If you don't like the band, just go there because it's just quite an experience. You sit out under the stars, you listen to wonderful music in this beautiful amphitheater, and it's, it's really incredible. Um, if those of you have been to Red Rocks, uh, it's, it's sort of similar to that, but better. It's in LA. It's, it's so cool. 
it's quite an experience. And, uh, and I sat in the back and I, at the time I had an Apple iPod, the old school ones. And I had bought this little voice recorder thing that plugged into it. And I recorded the entire concert because we were back last row of the Hollywood Bowl, but center like center stage. So dead on. So I recorded the entire concert and it's, and it was an amazing recording. I actually just found it the other day. Uh, and Eric Clapton and Steve Winwood. And I was so, I remember, you know, I was familiar with obviously, um, um, with Steve Winwood growing up and, you know, um, when he was with traffic and, uh, you know, uh, um, low sparks of high heeled boys is one of my favorite songs by them as well. Um, and uh, he was in uh, Spencer Davis group. I think it was his first gig. Um, Steve Winwood. He played played for uh, played in the Spencer Davis group. And he, I think he was like sixteen at the time or seventeen. I mean, he had this crazy voice, crazy voice, so high. And um, and I did not know. I knew he could play like organ. And I knew he was very a multi talented, multi instrumentalist. But that dude can rip on guitar. And Eric Clapton is one of the best guitarists of all time. And he, and, and I was so impressed. It was amazing. And yes, they sang, can't find my way home. And I can't find my way home. Uh, my, uh, my father, George is into Bruce Springsteen. He likes the boss and Willie Nelson. It's not hard to meet famous Irish people in Ireland, says Black Widow. We try, we try to act like we don't know them. Ha <laughs> ha, small country. Yeah, but I've heard that too. I've heard that, that, that they're very friendly. Didn't really forget where they came from, which is amazing. I Am The Gunpower knows Sun Shower. Yeah, it's a great track. Um, Cat Loves Catskill says, I have made enough money painting jackets paid for my trip to Sweden, Norway, and Denmark when I was 18. So you were painting jackets for the bands? Is that what, is that what was going on? <laughs> Chester Bennington. Yeah. Man, Linkin Park. Bought that record when I first moved out here too. That man, they were, they were so crazy. What a, what a, what a, uh, what a crazy cool sound they had. Oh, is it Faith No More? No, it's Blind Blind Faith. Faith No More. Faith No More. Did I screw that up? I said Blind Faith, and it's Faith No More. Did I screw that up? Let me know. That was Clapton and Winwood, right? Was it Faith No More or was it Blind Faith? I don't know. Uh, poor Chris, that was a right one. Uh, that was a, a rough one. Yeah, absolutely was. Nothing else matters. Oh, the Allman Brothers. Yes. Greg Allman, Dickie Betts, Leonard Skinner, Charlie Daniels. Yeah, those are all good people. Those are all good bands. Prince. Yeah, so uh, you guys got to do yourself a favor. Have you ever seen, so speaking of the Beatles, if you have never seen the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for George Harrison, um, when they play while my guitar gently weeps and it's Prince, I believe it is, it's, um, it's Prince, it's Tom Petty. It's, um, I think slash from, it's a bunch of famous rock musicians all on stage as if Martin Scorsese was was, was directing a film. Uh, shout out to the band, by the way, we lost Robbie Robertson this year. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, but the last waltz, that was my last waltz reference for those of you guys that don't know, but they're all on stage and they play while my guitar gently weeps and Prince plays just like out of, the, out of his mind, out of his mind on the Telecaster, out of his mind, cr crazy. Finishes the song, takes the guitar off, throws it in the audience, walks off stage. You've got to watch it. It's on YouTube. It's eight minutes. 
a great a great way to spend eight minutes. And even if you left this live right now and said, I'm going to spend eight minutes of your live watching that video, I'll say, go for it. Do it. It's that good. Yeah. I never got to see Prince in concert. Well, I had a lot of friends that worked with him. And he was a maniac. Like very maniacal and, and a perfectionist. And you know, very, you know, knew exactly what sound he wanted, exactly what the tone was. And... It was, it was what he wanted, you know, very, very talented, committed, dedicated artist. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. He's um, an insane, insane guitar player, insane musician, period. What about Rory Gallagher? I don't really know who Rory Gallagher is, but um, Tom Petty is such a quiet achiever in music, underrated songwriter, beautiful storyteller. All right. I have a, I have a, not a real Tom Petty story but an interesting story related to Tom Petty, literally related to Tom Petty. So I went, I was filming something for this jewelry company here in LA. This was probably, so I want to say this was like 2014, 2015, 2015. And they would call me, they were actually based in New York, but they had a boutique out here and she called me up, Hey, you want to come shoot or whatever? And at the time I was, you know, learning, I was working as a cinematographer, but I, I, I used to work all the time would always be taking jobs, left, right, whatever. You know, I could go out and shake a tree and get a job just like that and just go shoot. It was, I loved it. But we're just like, I want you, I want to go film at our, um, at um, my friend's house. She's in LA, she has like a tree house and it was in the east side of LA. And it was super cool, but it had this whole weird vibe. But I kept looking at her going, this girl, th this young woman, she, she kind of, she looks like Tom Petty. Turns out it was Tom Petty's daughter. I'll never forget that. Pretty wild. Did a little jewelry shoot there. And I was like, and I, and when they said that to me, I just was floored. I was like, that's wild. Cause I was freaked out. I was like, she really looks like Tom Petty, but I don't want to, no disrespect. She's a woman, but she looks like Tom Petty. It's funny. And she was lovely. She was lovely. Uh, Tam Jules, I saw Judas, Judas Priest in uh, Linkaping. Haley Ray is here. The most underrated band there is, is Dave Matthews band. Haley Ray Tate. Haley Ray. Welcome to the live. Haley Ray just graduated from high school recently. We were listening to Dave Matthews band when we were in high school. But it's great to know that you uh, appreciate them. Yeah. Super amazing band as well. Amazing band. There's a band that I worked with. Um, by the way, have you guys seen these new T-Mobile commercials with Common? Do you guys know who Common is? The rapper. He's an actor, rapper. I know him as, an, as a rapper because I knew him because he was a, a rapper before he was an actor, but he's been in tons of movies and I think he's on like a Law and Order series or something. He's a great, talented actor. But he's in the new, um, he was in the new uh, uh, T-Mobile commercials for the iPhone 15. They just came out a couple weeks ago and I'm watching the commercial and, and, I'm, and I'm like, why does this song sound familiar? And then it sounds getting longer than it ends. And it's like, that's all I need. That's all I need. And it was my good friend, my friends that I worked with, the Dirty Heads. I directed a video, a music video for them called Oxygen. I also shot another video of them, video for them for their lyric video for this song. That's all I need. And they had a placement on the new T-Mobile commercial. I haven't seen those guys in a few years, but I was so, I was beaming with pride. They're all from Huntington Beach, California, and um, they are, they're a, a great band and, and cool dudes. And, um, and they have a really cool, unique sound and they have a T-Mobile commercial out. Like, how cool is that? I love seeing that. 
but, I, but it was killing me. I was like, why do I know this song? Why do I know this song? Oh, because I probably, as I worked and filmed them while they were making the record, I probably heard this song 400 times because <laughs> it was their first single that was released. Emerson Lake and Palmer don't know a lot of their work, but know they're wild, progressive stuff, like very cool. Um, I, I, this whole thing got just went, I was talking about, we got on this music tangent. Maybe I should talk about music more often. I, I clearly, I clearly enjoy talking about it. <laughs> uh, I am the gun power. Thank you so much for the super sticker, by the way. What else? What else? What else? Um, uh, so did I like Tupac and, and Eminem run DMC Lincoln park? Yeah. All of them loved, loved Tupac, love, loved notorious B.I.G. Loved me some notorious B.I.G. Um, yeah. What? I, I mean, I loved, I loved Tupac too. I was, I, I liked both of them, but there's just something about Notorious B.I.G.'s voice and his, the way that he rapped that just spoke more to me. I love Tupac too. I, amazing talent, art, but, but B.I.G. spoke to me in that, you know, when I was like, yeah, I was like probably late high school, uh, early college years. Yeah. Ready to Die, fabulous album, Life After Death. Fab fabulous du double album. I remember the music video. It was directed by, why can't I remember his name? It was the most expensive music video at the time. Oh, why can't I remember his name? He's an amazing director. Um, but he directed the music video with Buster Rhymes. It was P. Diddy. It was, it was Notorious B.I.G. They were like gargoyles on the roof. It was so cool. And then that ended up getting um, replaced as the most expensive music video because Mark Romanek directed Scream with Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson. That was a $7 million music video at the time, which is a lot of money even nowadays. Well, actually, they don't spend any money on music videos. They spent a lot of money on music videos way back in the day. They don't spend that kind of money now. Lucky if you can get a $10,000 budget. It's insane. Uh, Thumpasaurus, think Californian. I don't know. Sorry, forever curious. Tupac and Biggie played the soundtrack of our lives back then. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. Old lady Snoop. Collier, I'm so excited that you might be at CrimeCon. Already have my tickets. Yes, I think so. We'll see. We are talking to them. The thing is, when you go to these festivals, they don't pay for everything. So, yeah, you know, we, we were there at CrimeCon, but they didn't pay for all of our hotels. So we kind of got stuck with paying the rest of the hotel, which they didn't tell us. And I was like, oh, okay. Thanks for $500 I didn't really have to spend, but all right. So, yeah. Uh, by the way, I say Queen. Queen. Yeah, Freddie Mercury's voice is amazing. Uh, I've never seen them play with Adam Lambert. I don't know. He's very talented, though. Absolutely. Watched him when he's on American Idol, right? Very talented. Amazing voice. You still hear Notorious B.I.G. on the radio, but never Tupac. Yeah, probably because you're in, I believe you're you're back... East, so of course you would hear more Notorious B.I.G. I don't ever hear, really hear Tupac anymore either. Um, but yeah, Notorious B.I.G. Man, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be at CrimeCon and then maybe even going across the pond for CrimeCon UK, unless that's this month. Maybe it is. They were talking to us about going to that too. Mark Romanic, probably. I don't know. Um, no, Mark Romanic directed the... Um, um, He's one of my favorite directors, by the way. Uh, very amazingly talented, weird, creatively. I, I got to meet him at, um, I went to see Hateful Eight and I was sitting right, uh, he was sitting right in front of me with his daughter. And um, I remember I, I, we were standing in line for popcorn and I, and I referenced a shot that only a DP, a cinematographer would know. 
There was one shot. There was only one shot that he used this particular effect on. And it was made very famous by Brian De Palma uh, back in his films. And, um, and they used it once. And I said, hey, man, I said, what did you think of that split field diopter shot? And he was like, yeah, you noticed that? And I was like, yeah. And then we had a whole conversation about film. And it was really cool. It's one of those fun moments. Uh, love the new graphics. Nice, nice, nice work. Well, thank you so much. Yes, uh, they're still going to get adjusted. I was a little busy last week, so I didn't get to actually dive into what I want to do. And I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do. I don't know, but it's going to happen. Uh, the Opera Land Hotel is beautiful. You will love it. I hope they come through with the money for you. Yeah, it's just, it's like, just like getting the hotel. Are you going to pay for how many days? Are we going to speak? What day are we going to speak at? There's a lot of things that have to, you know, that has to, um, that star, a lot of stars have to align. But yeah, I do want to go. I enjoy CrimeCon this year. It's a whole different, it's an interesting, it's a very, because you have all different kinds of personalities that are there. That are there. And speaking of Joel Walman, who I mentioned earlier um, uh, from Surviving the Survivor, I got to actually finally meet him in person. I've had so many conversations with him and interviewed him and been on our shows. And um, it was great to finally meet him in person and his wife and his kids who are adorable. Terrors, but adorable. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, the whole vibe, because you have... Ne- and I was telling this to the producer that was here yesterday when we were, we were shooting stuff. I was saying it's a whole... It, the vibe of there is you have people who who are, you know, obviously true crime celebrities or true crime podcast hosts, or they host a television show. And then you have like producers of true crime that are celebrities in their own right, or lawyers, or, uh, you know, people that work in law enforcement that have their own little following. It's a very sort of weird, I mean, not weird in a bad way, just weird in a very interesting way, mix of people. Uh, In today's episode of the Survivor Squad podcast, uh, Tara and I interviewed Madison McGee, who hosts the Ice Cold Case podcast, also from Ohio, by the way. Uh, and she was at CrimeCon and she gave out so her podcast. And if you listen to the episode, please do. Please like, please like, subscribe. Please give us five-star review on Apple. I would really appreciate it. Please need reviews, need likes, need subscribes. Please, thank you so much. Um, in our episode today, and then the second part comes out tomorrow, but uh, she talks about how, uh, so she started this, this podcast called Ice Cold Case. And she shares her story, which is, which is reconciling what she thought was a heart attack that her father had passed away from when she was a child. It was actually, he was murdered and they, her full family lied about it. And now she's taking up the, the torch to find out what happened to her father who killed her father. So she made these bags that said, did you kill my dad? And she was giving them out and she only made 50 of them and they flew off the, flew off her table to promote her podcast. And uh, she ended up making another 500 more. But she's a great interview. You should check her out. She lives here in Los Angeles. She's actually a field producer and works. So um, we had a, we, we, got, we initially started engaging just we were talking about cameras because somebody was shooting on a camera. And then she overheard it and she said, Oh, you know that camera. I was like, Oh, I have the same camera. Blah, blah, blah. The one I'm talking to you right here uh, through the lens. Um, but yeah, it's a fabulous episode. Check it out. Part one out today. Part two is out tomorrow uh, of the Survivor Squad podcast. Yes, Tara is a very, very sweet person and unfortunately has come under a lot of um, fire for a definite misunderstanding. I'll leave it at that. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, so check it out, Madison McGee. She's great and she's a fantastic interview. And uh, she's really talking, um, she's, uh, she, ta- she shares um, 
you know, she shares some, you know, it's, it's real stuff, you know, sort of the, the betrayal of, of, you know, not sort of reconciling, like, why didn't you tell me the truth? And I had another friend that this happened to too, but he is, his father wasn't murdered, but his father was um, incarcerated. And so he had grown up this whole time. Uh, he grew up into his late twenties. He was a touring musician with a, and a producer for a ginormous band that was like the Beatles of their time when they came out in the early 2000s. And he, he his, his, his mother finally told him when he was like in his late twenties and he just, he's like, wait, what? So the dad that I know is not the dad. And then hold on. So and my dad's in prison. I haven't been able to know him. You know, he was in prison for armed robbery, I believe. So it's a whole thing. Um, so it, it reminded me of that situation when she's trying to reconcile all that, like not being, um, not being, um, not knowing the truth. It's a lot of, um, that is a lot to process the, like the betrayal of everything as you get older. And, um, you know, when you find that out later on, I, that's one of the things I think when I, when I think about my situation is I knew what happened. And even though my family wasn't involved and there were certain things and certain things I learned about my father later on in life, I still had a sense of what happened. You know, I knew what happened. So there wasn't any, there wasn't any doubt really. You know what I mean? There was a little bit, but you know, cause you kind of sort of part of you hold, hold, holds onto that hope that that isn't really the case of what you're going through. Like, it's not really my reality. He didn't really commit this. My mother isn't really dead. It's just sort of a process of, of healing that you go through and you, and you, and you, I don't know if you gaslight yourself, but you definitely, you maybe try to convince yourself of a narrative that isn't true. And a lot of people that can be detrimental, that can be detrimental to, um, and in their development and growing up as, a, as adults and they don't handle, get a handle on it and, it and it really affects them. So Madison shares her process of going through all of that, um, as I do here. Anyways, uh, I want to say thank you so much to all my channel members, all my Patreon subscribers. Thank you all so much for your support. If you wouldn't mind, please click the like and subscribe button. Click the alert bell as well so you get notified of more live streams. I do them every, every week, Wednesday and Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, live from Santa Monica, California. <laughs> and new episodes of the podcast, The Call Your Landry Show, out on Saturday. Check it out. New episodes of Survivor Squad, also out today, Thursday and Friday. Uh, part one, part two, every Thursday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from. Mover Nation, have a fabulous weekend. I will see you all soon. I'm Collier Landry. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We'll see you. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash collierlandry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright, Collier Landry.